0: My fellow Americans, this July 4th weekend, ask not what you can do for your country, but what you can wear for it. Old Navy's got what this country needs to look great from tea to shining tea. Run to Old Navy right now for up to 60% off the entire store. Plus, shorts are just $10 for adults, $8 for kids. And tees are just $5 for adults, $4 for kids. Hurry in. Valid 624 to 629 Select styles only. Excludes gift cards and clearance. Good evening and welcome to the Coco Express Show Network. Good afternoon. Uh, It is September 20th and it's the third Saturday of the month, so it's time for Paradigm Shifters with Steve Duncanson and Marilyn Ocasio. Please sit back, enjoy, and learn. Paradigm Shifters. Principles for life and success. Hosted by motivationalist Steve Duncanson. Start framing your tomorrows today. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to another edition of Paradigm Shifters: Principles for Life and Success. I'm your host, Steve Duncanson, and it is my pleasure to be able to be here with you today on this 20th (laughs) day of June,
0: 2015.
1: 2015. You know why I'm saying that. If you're listening to the, you're listening to the announcement, uh really is rushing us through to September. So <laughs> we are in uh, June 2015, and uh, we are happy indeed to be able to be here. I would also like to welcome my co-host Marilyn Acacio. online. Marilyn. How are
2: you? Hello. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you?
1: Excellent. Doing real well. Doing good. Uh, Doing uh,
2: awesome. Glad it's to bad. have
1: you on. Glad to have you on the line today, and uh, for us to be able to have some some dialogue. You know, uh, I, I'm definitely, uh, you know, clearly. I sound a bit upbeat today. I sound a little upbeat, right? I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I generally try to sound that way anyway. I mean, geez, motivational speaker, right? Motivational teacher. If I don't, if I'm not motivated, how you motivate anybody else, right? But uh, as 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 I'm sounding, clearly, given the events that have transpired during this week, there is a lot to be mm, not necessarily uh, depressed about, but certainly sober about, right? Um, and, and that's the the incidents that uh, the incidents took place this week at uh, in South Carolina, the South Carolina church massacre. And um, I really believe that, that that uh having taken place and uh, it is something that is truly impactful for our, our nation as a whole, not just the state of South Carolina. And so, there's just there are a couple of things I just want to bring, put that on the table for some discussion and dialogue today. Um, Aurelia, you're still with us too, as well. Yes.
0: Thank. you. Yes,
1: I'm still here. Okay. okay, all right, good, great. So, you know, really, you know, this is just some things for, for all of us to kind of chime in on um, uh, today and to just give some thoughts and perspectives um, and even point out a couple of principles or so for, for our listeners as to relate to, you know, what took place there, you know. Um, and interestingly enough, this week, um, one of the places that I spoke at was uh um John's College, which of course I have an affinity for in my alma mater. And um the theme of the the conference, so that's the training that, that was it was a day of, of training was diversity and leadership. Right? As a matter of fact my particular segment was called Leadership and Diversity, the inside story. Uh, it's not about secrets but about understanding that leadership comes from the inside out. Well, even as we talked about you know that and and that was the topic of discussion, the keynote speaker for the luncheon was a, uh, a woman. Um, I don't remember her full name, but her her name is Dr. Uh, Brown Manning, I believe, Brown Manning, and um, she delivered a powerful uh, keynote. Um, her her area of expertise. Is diversity and cultural competence. She shared uh, from the outset of her talk about how she and her husband, who recently passed away, it's past November, had spent their most of their adult life uh, in that area, attempting to um, uh, assist people in, in that area. So, organizations, corporations, educational institutions, all things like that um, would bring them in to deal with the, the issues of diversity and cultural competence yet she said when she was preparing for the talk this week her, her her keynote she was a bit blocked a bit challenged and she wasn't quite sure why until she watched the news report um the night before uh, her talk she said the first six stories, and she recounted them with specificity. But the first six stories had to do with race. Now, it, they didn't speak to race directly. You know, one of them spoke to, of course, the, the shooting in South Carolina and, and the arrest of um, a, a black man in a certain instance, and then uh, officers arresting someone um, inappropriately. I mean, a lot of things along that line. Right, and she began to think about the fact that many times when we talk about how she she said essentially how she felt inhibited or really challenged with focusing in the area of cultural competence because cultural competence has to do with. Uh, getting people to simply understand one another, to be more sensitive to each other, each other's differences, whether that be your ethnicity, um, whether your gender, social orientation, sexual orientation, all those different dynamics. She said, yet at the core of all those stories, and at the core of the issue, is race. And when we talk about uh, on cultural competence, or just diversity, we kind of politicize, or really, pardon the pun, whitewash what the real issue is. That is the elephant in the room. That all always is the thing that's the precipitating factor of whatever, or the differentiating factor in what takes place when we talk about. Cultural competence and diversity, and that is the issue of race. That is the thing that makes everyone, so many people, feel uncomfortable. It makes people feel challenged. Uh, it, it oftentimes it be, be becomes the thing that no, that very few people are willing to talk about directly, openly, and honestly, because it makes of how uh, controversial, quote unquote. It is. Yet, that is the primary thing that we talk all around but don't talk about. And what brought to my mind there was the fact that the principle we share on the show before that was immediately applicable, and, and she even shared it, Dr. you know, Brown-Manny shared it in uh, another kind of way, but that is this, that you cannot fix what you will not face. Unless we're willing to look at what the core, the root, the real issue is that's creating the challenge, unless we're willing to do that, there's no way we can fix it. We can, we can, everything else is kind of like putting an earring in a pig's ear, right? We we dress it up, but its nature remains the same. And so we have to be willing, this nation has to be willing to face the issue that it is race that is the challenge. We look at what um, the a, uh, one of the, the congressmen from South Carolina, who is also a uh, Republican uh, candidate for the presidency, um, I believe his last name is Graham, I think, um, was expressing about the, the Confederate flag hanging at half-mast on the Capitol, South Carolina, right, on the building. And we know um, that the Confederate flag was the representative uh, um, touchstone for uh, the Civil Rights, the Civil War that took place. And and it was the the Civil, one of the, clearly the biggest issue of the Civil War had to do with, with economics, yes, but slavery. And the South wanted to maintain that. And so that has been a symbol, that Confederate flag has been a symbol of that rift in this nation since back then. And for where n- many uh, white, of our white brothers and sisters in South Carolina, they say, well, that's simply, uh, and even as this senator said, this congressman said, um, that's simply who we are. It's a reflection of who we are. It's not about race. Reflection of who we are, yet the image and what it represents, and, and even how it's utilized by some subversive uh, entities in this nation, white supremacists and things of that sort, is as a, a symbol of white supremacy, and not of, uh, of anything other than that. And for The government, the official government of South Carolina, to still allow that flag to fly, as it does, on the nation's capital. I'm sorry, sorry, on the state capitol building, um, is a slap in the face to people of color whose um, ancestors, not even hundreds of years ago, but a couple of decades, and even some recently, more recently than that, were hung under the, that that same flag. And, and so, again, the, the the point, my point across the board here is really, if as as a nation, we have to be willing to face the real issue that we have a challenge with race, and that has to be changed. Now, clearly, that doesn't change by simply pulling down a flag, it because the flag is really. A reflection of what's in the hearts of people and what's in the hearts of people cannot be changed through legislation or by some singular act um of contrition right there There has to be something else that takes place, but the point is that uh, until we the nation is willing to recognize the disparity and uh, between the races and the challenge that exists there, there's no way that we're going to fix that and so yeah you just I know I've been talking here for almost like 6 minutes right so but I do want to get some feedback from either a is on the line or of course a you uh resident in Maryland your thoughts on what I've mentioned to this point I've got more but I definitely want to give you an opportunity please shoot
0: um i'll come yeah. in uh i'll say having well my family on my mother's side they're all from South Carolina and having heard the stories from my grandmother who would tell me the different things that would go on in that particular side of the country. For me, it's a matter of lack of education because we all know that our educational system has not prepared us for anything in regards to what the contributions of the African-American society has brought forth to this country. So Mm -hmm. that lends people to believe that we have no significance when in fact that is the complete and total opposite. Now, if we took the time to properly educate people in regards to art to history, not our history but history in general, a lot of this stuff would be dispelled mhm
1: well i though though and if i may i I believe that the education may be a part of it yet when we consider the many of the the, the individuals who are taking a side not who have committed declines, because that that individual, Dylan Roof, you know, that that committed the massacre of the the shooting, uh, clearly one may question his educational background. Yet, there are people who are highly educated, who consciously, intellectually, intentionally, still hold what they hold regarding people of color, and they have some semblance of, of, of history and the People of color's uh, contribution to this nation, and I do yeah. want to, you know, certainly there's white, black, right? But uh, we we know that that it, it goes beyond simply black to to people of color in general. So, though education is a part of it, at, 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 no doubt, there's something inherent in the hearts of people that that has to be dealt with in some kind of a way.
0: Yeah, but we have, in order to be able to do that, you know as well as I do, the contributions across the board, I mean, for the Hispanic Americans as well as the African Americans, they're not even admitted or acknowledged half the time. But what I'm saying to you is we have, to, in order to really get to the root of everything, we have to go back a couple of hundred years, maybe a thousand years or so, and that's where it all starts. And where we are now, we're in a, 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 a pickle, so to speak, and... It, it it's it's the most difficult thing to try to understand and to experience, to witness, to feel, to to be exposed to. And it's just so many com- it's so complex, and for me it, it it it's frightening in some ways, and in some ways it's very saddening because my heart breaks every time I look on, you know, on on Facebook and see all the different stories and having to watch this whole situation play out the way it did. I don't know, Steve, maybe you have an answer. Marilyn, maybe you have an answer.
2: Okay, so I, this is a very complex situation, and it is very
0: frightening,
2: and I agree with you, really. I agree with you, Steve, and, you know, with the education. And unfortunately, there's a lot, like Steve said, you know, there's a lot of people that are educated, but there's a lot of tools and that, that they're not learning, that we're not learning in school. And I, I want to I mention something um, that Nelson Mandela uh, said, and he said, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. So you know, people are learning to hate. This is something that is learned. that has to be unlearned, and that's that's the that's the source right there. It's, it's love, and people are not loving. Where is this coming from? And it's you know, it's things that that are not being put, not being put in home, not being put in school, and it's, it's really unfortunate and very sad. Um, and like I said, this is a very complex situation, and, there, and there's so much to it. And, Please, and I want you to also take it from here. I just
1: wanted to mention that person more, more from Mandela. My, my apologies, everyone. My okay. apologies for the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously out in the, uh, on the streets, so all these uh, sirens going by. So my apologies. Uh, I missed that last part of what you what you expressed there, uh, Marilyn. You okay. said that so, uh, the issue is love. So um, be... I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna read. The, I'm gonna say this one more time. Nelson Mandela said, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can, they can be taught to love, for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. And this uh, is a quote from Nelson Mandela. And uh, like, like you said, it's, you know, there's, there's education you know, but life experience is the, the that's that's the that's the root. It's the life experience that that we're having and that we're learning. And you know, what is it that we're learning that has to be unlearned? What is it that has to be taught in the schools and to be instilled in the children? You know, from 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 very, from very young. Like, where is all this hatred coming from? Like, what is the root of it? And this is what we have to ask ourselves. And what can we do? You know, what is it that that what is it that we can what we can contribute that we can teach that we can give um so that we can um you know start start making a difference and start uh ch- changing these um you know unfortunate um si- you
1: know what and, and clearly there's no way whether it be um you know, clearly our, our ability to be able to come up with an answer to this is is extremely limited. I mean, it, it's a right,
0: question that's exactly. been debated
1: by the most intelligent minds, you know, many intelligent minds over many over many years, and and clearly it's not something that we will come to resolve with. Uh, right. In a thirty-minute program, however, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and and what you're mentioning about love being necessary and 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 hate is something that's taught, it's more natural love, and all those things are are true, and there's there's no argument whatsoever, and I think that certainly is part of the solution. Yeah, I I also think about um, I, I I watched the video this morning and I posted it mm-hmm. on my Facebook page, and hopefully, you know, folks take the opportunity to go there and, and take a look, like, right. but. Um, It was another congressman from South Carolina, an African-American gentleman who was delivering a talk. And he actually referred us to um, Dr. Martin Luther King's letter that he wrote many years ago, uh, of course the one entitled Letter from Birmingham Jail, right? And and just in recounting uh, a portion of this, right, you know, he said, so from Birmingham jail where he was imprisoned as a participant in a nonviolent demonstration against segregation, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote in longhand the letter which follows. It was his response to a public statement of concern and religious leaders of the South. Dr. King, um, okay, right, so, and, and uh, just move forward here a little bit. While confined here in Birmingham city jail, I came across your recent statement calling our present activities unwise and untimely. Seldom, if ever, do I pause to answer criticism of my work and ideas. If I sought to answer all the criticisms that cross my desk, my secretaries would be engaged in little else in the course of the day, and I would have no time for constructive work. But since I feel that you are men of genuine good, will, and your criticisms are sincerely set forth, I would like to answer your statement in what I hope would be patient and reasonable terms, right? So my point regarding that is these are individuals, religious leaders, eight religious leaders of the South, who – and, and though we know, you know that religion was also used to support slavery as much as it was used to denounce it, right? So it, was, it all had to do with the heart of the individual. But what Dr. King was expressing here is, is his belief and um, allowing for the fact that, that these men were men of goodwill and uh, that they had good hearts. In other words, that it allegedly wasn't love at the issue here. Right? And they were expressing that, you know, that his uh, efforts there in Birmingham with regard to desegregation uh, and voting rights uh, were, were unwise because it precipitated violence and untimely. A little bit later on in this letter, Dr. King expresses how time is neutral. It's, there's neither a, a good time or, or a, a bad time. The, the time is, is utilized based on um, individuals, right? And when is, the, when is it the right time to, to do the right thing, right? Uh, or when is it the wrong time to do the right thing? It, it's, time is it, when things are necessary is the time to act. And, and the point ultimately being made was that certainly there are a lot of things that that need to come to the fore. As we agreed here, there you know there's, there's love, there's education, there's all those things are necessary. But the ultimate thing in our short time that we want to be able to so to to you know, bring forward to our listeners is number one, we cannot fix what we will not face. We have got to be willing to call mm-hmm. it what it is, face what it is, and then do whatever is necessary among the many things that need to happen. For it to be dealt with, right? and that time is now that if we sit back and wait if we say or do nothing, then then, then we lose, right? It, it, because this nation's been dealing with this issue since um, slavery started in this nation, right? And, mm-hmm. and clearly, we know that, that the issue of, of race and things of that sort have been you know centuries it didn't start with, with America. But we are talking about we are talking about the American experience, right? So I want to be clear about that. This is what we're talking about. We're in America, we're talking about the American experience. But the reality is this: that um, we we have to be willing to call it what it is, to recognize that it's not something about cultural competence and diversity, and it is about race being the issue, um, and that we have to face that if we're going to fix it. And that uh, conversation, as uncomfortable as it is, that we need to have now, not later, now. We have to be willing to, in, in in, in, in the groups in which we find ourselves, and then outside of those groups, to be able to engage one another in dialogue regarding this, what it is at its core. Right? And be, be willing to, to, to educate one another, to be willing to uh, again, Dr. King's letter here to Birmingham was written. clearly he said, hopefully he does it in a patient and patient and reasonable terms. So not accusatorily, right? Not defensively, but honestly, be willing to face what the issues are and do what is necessary to change it. The time is now, at least to begin the dialogue right, honest dialogue, no longer to obscure the fact that we are talking about race, not just diversity. Am I making sense to you guys?
2: Definitely. And uh I I, I really I really appreciate the fact that you chose to speak about this with Steve and Aurelia, because like you said, something that we can't face you know we want to fix and, and and the time to do uh something is now um instead of sitting back and not doing anything and that I think that if we take you know piece by piece and step by step, this is something that we can something that we can work toward um but we have to you know begin by taking the steps and taking them now you know what what can we do how can we um you know speak about it um who can we you know educate start you know with the children and uh this is something that is definitely some uh something that we need to think about and and start brainstorming on what we can do right now right now um to not only teach and uh you know about this. Um but to I, I will say to unlearn, you know. Children that are learning something and you know, how do we say this is something they have to unlearn and to see it as you know, to see things in a in a different way and, and, and to love, you know, every human being and and not to judge anyone and I mean this has to stop. This has to stop. And I think um, you know, every every single person, every one individual can take a step you know, piece by piece and step by step so that we can do something and not just sit back and, you know, and, and complain about it, but let's do something.
0: And yes, I'm so absolutely. glad, I'm
2: so happy, Steve, I'm so happy that you are talking about this and that, um, you know, because some people, you know, they won't say anything. They won't say anything and they'll say, you know, they'll just observe and complain and but not do anything. So let's, you know, all our listeners. Let's say, you know, and I want the listeners to dial in or, you know, to email us and say, you know, what 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 steps can we take? Each and every one of us. What steps can we take?
1: Yeah, and you know, great great question. And and clearly, there's, as we all agreed here, there's so many things that need to be done. Um, yet yet the initial one has to do with. Uh, what we what we're willing to express, you know the willingness to engage that conversation both inside and outside of our race mm-hmm. right with with others um to uh, to to really ask the hard questions you know really express you know that dialogue that we have in our head, you know that conversation that we have that we kind of uh, we edit so that we don't offend someone, but the reality mm-hmm. is some of this is offensive, right, but if we don't put mm-hmm. it out there then mm-hmm. there, there are certain assumptions that we begin to make. There is a, uh, a the, the reticence creates a, uh, and, that, and that reluctance creates a, a hindrance towards resolve, right? And so we, we absolutely have to do it. You know, one of the things that, that that each of you mentioned had to do with, you know, our young people, right? And and one of the things that, and I just want to continue to give her credit for that is, uh, that mm-hmm. keynote because it really impacted me as you can hear Odell that Dr. Brown Manning. She said this: the young man who, who did this shooting um, was, I think, 21 years old or somewhere in that ballpark, which means that he is a, a child of the the generation that he's he's a child. We brought him up, right? Mm-hmm. Those of us were still kind of around the periphery of this. Have raised a child, you know that 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 young man, that that child. He came out of that generation. In other words, she called it the generation that we hoped for, where things would be different. So there's still, and that's in the era of cultural competence and diversity. So there there is uh, yet we're still dealing with here. That flag is still hanging on the capital of South Carolina, and there's still the unwillingness. To bring it down, right, and not fully admitting what that means, what it represents, right, and, and so uh, uh, until we're, we're willing to take steps, like, and some will be small steps, you know, because isn't one like we'll pull down the flag won't really change the hearts of the people? We get it, but like you said, Marilyn, we're taking some steps. We're doing something towards it by admitting what the real challenge, what the real issue is, and and so ultimately, uh, you know. We've, you've heard me share before on this program about that, that I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day,
0: right? I'd rather
1: one walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes of better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine words can be confusing, but example is always clear. And so for us to set the example, to initiate the dialogue, to uh, not wait for, quote-unquote, the right time, because the right time has passed, The only time that we have is right now. No Mm -hmm. opportunity waits, and we need to take take some steps.
0: I wanted to share this one thing with you. It's Aurelia. Um, um, W.E.B. Du Bois wrote in one of his books, he did like a a story about a a man who bought a house. And um, he bought a house, and it was covered by a mountain. And his goal, his mission was for one day the sun to shine on his house. Everyone thought that he was completely insane because they knew you cannot do anything to a mountain. If the mountain is there, it's going to be there. But he kept digging and digging and digging. And he continued to dig and dig. His wife thought he was crazy. Everyone thought he was crazy. Kept digging and digging and digging and digging and digging through this mountain, through this mountain. And he kept digging on into old age. He continued to dig. When he passed away, his son started to dig and kept digging and digging. till eventually the sun did shine on his house. So that's to say that we have to set the example. We have to start by, by example, like you said. And we can't expect maybe we won't see it in our lifetime. But as long as we planted the seed and we started to show the example and know that the example is being set and being repeated by us, one day, someday, things will change.
1: And I would certainly want to affirm that because it is the need for consistent action. Let me also add to that, you know, what of, something that um, Dr. Stephen Covey expressed in a in, in another context, but it's applicable nonetheless. It, and it had to be talking about the ladder of success, individual clattering a ladder of success, right? And, and and taking action and moving towards something and doing something, right? And when they climbed the ladder, they realized when they got to the top of the ladder, they realized that it was against the wrong wall. Right. Um, and so though we can take action, we have to be clear of what we're taking action towards. Right. That. And and again, what we simply wanted to get across in this uh, time being up here today. Right. Is this is that it's not just about diversity or, or about cultural competence. It's about race. Let's deal with that. Let's face it. Um, let's call it what it is, and take direct action towards it now. Everyone, uh, each of you, uh, those of you, you know Marilyn and Aurelia, really appreciate your your feedback on this and uh, your your dialogue. And, and I know that each of you are going to continue to move forward in the action. And we encourage all of you, our listeners, to do the same and to challenge those with whom you are close to do the same thing of, of all the races, because we know what has made America the nation and what, what had put us at the forefront had to do with the, all of us coming together towards a common goal. Let's do that again without masks, but in reality, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all of us. I'm Steve Duncanson. Thank you so so much for listening, and we look forward to talking to you again on another paradigm shift. There's principles for life and success. Thanks for listening. God bless.
0: That's our show for today. So until next time, keep it real, listen, learn, and live.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to—has anyone seen the bride and groom?